I have just uh, completed conducting uh, my second Kingdom Education Summit this summer. We hosted it at Northwest Christian Academy, and I'm joined uh, today with Dr. Jeff Brown, who's the superintendent here at Northwest Christian, and we're just going to talk a little bit about what took place at the summit and how it impacted, hopefully, individual lives, the lives of parents, the lives of some pastors that were here, and also Christian educators. So don't go away. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome to Kingdom Currents. Uh, Again, my name is Glenn Schultz, your host. And like I said in the introduction, uh, we just had another Kingdom Education Summit where we gathered Christian school leaders, church leaders. We had some parents and some grandparents attend uh, Kingdom Education Summit where we uh, just broke it down. It was sort of a, a four, fourfold uh, approach uh, to it. We we first built a case for Kingdom Education. Why was it necessary? And we looked at what's going on in our country and our world. And, and then we talked about what what is Kingdom Education? education? How do we understand it? And then we spent a whole day on applying kingdom education principles. How do you apply this in the home and in the church and in the school? And today we wrapped it up by how do we advance kingdom education? What what does a, a kingdom-focused home look like? What does a kingdom-focused church and a kingdom-focused school look like? So it, it's been an intense uh, three days, and uh, I, I'm thrilled to be able to sit down with uh, Jeff, and we're going to just sort of debrief and go through things, uh, look, talk a little bit about why this is all so important. Uh, to begin with, what I want to do is share with you uh, something I, I shared with the group at on the first day. I guess you would call it an opening devotion. And I, I, I looked at Psalm 90. Now, theologians say that Psalm 90 may be the oldest psalm uh, in the Bible because it is written and believed to be written by Moses himself. And, and in this psalm, there's some contrast that I think we all are aware of in everyday life. In the beginning, in verse 2, it says this, Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And Moses starts out by reflecting on the fact that God is eternal. He has always been. He always will be. He's never not been. He, He hasn't started. He has, there's, beginning doesn't even Uh, 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 relate to him because he's eternal. But then it goes and talks about compared to the eternal nature of God, how life here on earth is so brief. And, and, And it talks about as for the days of our life, they contain 70 years or if due to strength, 80 years. Now that hits me because I'm getting close to 80, and I'm thinking, why couldn't he have said 90? Because uh, that would have been nicer for me. But then it says, but soon it is gone and we fly away. And, and so Moses said that we must be taught to number our days that we, we may present to God a heart of wisdom. And, and I challenged the people at the summit, Jeff, that 
that's what I wanted to do. I, I wanted them to take every day that God gives them to educate young children and, and number them and count them, you know, very special so that we could present to God hearts of wisdom. And, and, and then in verse 12, this I, I ran across this probably a week ago, and it hasn't ever gotten out of my mind. I can't get this verse out. It's verse 17. It says, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm, which means give permanence for us the work of our hands. And then he repeats it. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. I've always been taught that life is brief, and when it's over, you're forgotten. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, they may remember you for a little while, or, or if you've written a book like I did, maybe the book will stay around. But life is brief, and when you're through, someone else comes in, and, and soon you're forgotten. But here Moses prays to God and says, would you give permanence to the work of our hands? And, and, I, and I told the, the people who had gathered for the summit, I said, my prayer is, and I think all of us would want that. We would want our work that we do with these young children as we mold their hearts and minds that our work would last. <laughs> it would go out. And one commentator said, you know, the thought that everything is passing away so swiftly and inevitably as the earlier part of this psalm suggests might lead a man to say, what is the use of me doing anything? <laughs> you know, I may just as well sit down here and let things slide if they're all going to be swallowed up in the black bottomless gulf of forgetfulness. And I thought to myself, you know, that's sort of the attitude that a lot of people have. They've seen the world get so bad that they said, what difference can we make? And whatever difference we make, it may only last for a few days and it's gone. And then... This this man put in there and says, you know, we should all like to have our work exempted from the common lot. What pathetically <laughs> futile attempts to secure this are pyramids and rock inscriptions and storied tombs and posthumous memoirs and rich men's wills. Is there any way by which such exceptional permanence can be secured by our poor deeds? Yes, certainly. Let us commit them to God praying this prayer, establish thou the work of our hands. And, and what the writer of this commentary focused us back on was verse 16, where it says, let your work, meaning God's work, appear to your servants. And, and how that work together is, our work will be established forever if it is his work. And, and, you know, I, I don't think we think about work that way. Would you agree? I would. I absolutely would. I, you know, I recently, thinking back to the Kingdom Education Summit, it's just been these last few days have been so rich and there has been so much to think about. But in light of, of that particular passage of Scripture, I think about the generational impact of kingdom education and and I think when when we get into scripture we find that there are certain whether it's a curse or a blessing 
so often when God speaks these things into uh, a people, he recognizes that there's going to be a generational aspect to that, that it's going to persist beyond our lives. And, you know, I'm 55 years old. I was recently uh, given my my dad gave me a, a picture, an old black and white picture of my great grandfather George Brown and he mm. was a school superintendent just like me up in in Iowa and it just occurred to me how little I know of of this George A Brown I know that his great great grandfather was John Brown the abolitionist wow uh, not it sounds impressive but yeah. John Brown had seven seven families along the underground railroad and so yeah. there are yeah. seven different lineages it's not as impressive as it, as it sounds but we know about him because of what he did in infamy you know he was an infamous character in in, in American history but George A Brown not so much but God God has opened up the opportunity through through kingdom education, through teaching uh, our kids biblical precepts and biblical worldview. We have the opportunity to have generational impact, and that's the I think that's the key. Well, that's Psalm seventy eight. Yeah, he tells fathers teach your children to such a degree that they'll rise up and teach their children. Yep, who will rise up and teach the third generation who will rise up and teach a generation not even born, that that fourth generation will keep their hope in God and obey his commands. So yeah. it is multi-generational. And, and then I, I shared with the people, again from this commentary, it says, you know, my work will be perpetual when the work of my hands is God's work done through me. When you bring your wills into harmony with God's will, and so all your effort, even about the little things of daily life, is in uh, consonance with his will and in line with his purpose, then your work will stand. Yeah. And, and then he goes on and he says, so all work which is man's and not God's will sooner or later be reduced to impotence and either annihilated or reversed and made to run in the opposite direction. But if my will runs in the line of his... And if the work of my hands is thy work, it is not in vain that we shall cry, establish it for us, for it will last as long as he does. And, and you know, and then he went on because it was so good. What are you saying? Our work will stand if we quietly leave it in his hands. Quietly do it to him. Never mind about results, but look after motives. Mm. You cannot influence results let God look after them. You can influence motives, but sure that they are right. But if they are, the work will be eternal. And he says, just like a drop of water that falls upon the moor, finds its way into the brook and goes down the glen and on into the river and then into the sea and is there, though undistinguishable. So in the great summing up of everything at the end, the tiniest deed that was done for God, though it was done far away, up amongst the mountain solitudes where no eye saw it, it shall live and be represented in its effects on others and in the glad issues of the doer. Wow. And, and that's sort of my motive when I do a summit. I, I don't want it to be based on research. I don't want it to be based on data. That's all important. It's not on best practices. It's saying we want to know God's plan 
for educating future generations. And if we understand what his desire is for educating children and we tie our work in educating to that, it's going to stand. And that's how we started our summit. <laughs> Powerful. It, you know, I, I, I think about that, that picture that I was given of my, my great-grandfather, how little I know about him. And then I think, okay, someday I will have a great-grandchild. And uh, should, should the Lord tarry, what do I want my son to teach his son or daughter to teach their children? Yeah. And what will persist? What that prayer, make the works of our hands permanent. Is it some funny story about, you know, growing up? Do I want them to know, hey, Jeff Brown did this, said this? No. I want one simple thing. I want them to know that Jesus is king. They can bow their knee to him, and they'll never, ever regret it. Yeah. And that's the, that's the crucial thing. You know, I, there's, a, there's another uh, story I'll share with you, Glenn, that happened at our school this spring. Uh, like most schools, we do open houses in the spring, and we do that to show our current parents, hey, here's what the next grade's going to look like. We, we invite parents that are considering the school to come in. Well, this year's been really unusual because the wheels have just come off public education. Mm. You know, if you take a mm-hmm. look at the Kingdom Education Summit we had last year and, and the Kingdom Education Summit that we've had this year, it's unbelievable what's happened in our state. The wheels have just come off. We've, we've just launched in the state of Arizona our very first LGBTQ middle school. Wow. A, a publicly funded school for students that, that are transgender and, and bisexual. These are students, middle school students, and we're teaching them about sexuality to that degree. Okay, so that's, that's shocking enough. Well, at this open house, I had a, a young lady come in, and, and she said, hey, I'm, I'm the freshman. And she, she mentioned her high school, and it's a, it's a prominent, it, probably one of the most prominent public high schools in, in this area of the, of the Phoenix Valley. And she said this to me. She said, hey, uh, I'm, I'm the freshman class president, but I want to transfer to, to Northwest Christian School. You know, it's like, oh, you know, I said, that's great. And I said, Here, you're, you're, you know, the timing's perfect because if you, you apply today, you know, we've got to, we've, right now, Glenn, we're sitting on a waiting list that's 700 students strong. That, the wheels, have, the wheels yep. have just come yep. off, all right? And, and families are, are fleeing government schools. But I said, hey, if you apply today, you know, by August, there's a pretty good chance we'll be able to get you in. And she said, no, 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 you don't understand. I want to start tomorrow. And I'm like, what? I said, honey, I don't think we can pull that off. And she says, here's what's happened in my school. She said, and, and I, I swear to you, Glenn, I thought this was a, an urban myth. Uh, she said, I have kids in my class that identify as cats. And so the school has placed kitty litters in the restroom. Wow. And I thought that was an urban myth. I got online I, that I, night. I used to think that too. Yeah, I got online that night and I thought this this there's no way. But this is a young lady who was devastated by that. And I think if there were ev- if there was ever a time and and I know there there's nothing new under the sun. I I get that. But I'm telling you right now the enemy is coming after our kids in in ways that are just shocking to me and it feels like it's unprecedented it feels like it's happening on a level that at least in my brief shadow of a lifetime i've never seen well and that's true and uh, i i have found that 
the Kingdom Education Summits have become sort of heavier, every mm. one we've done. Now, now, it's not pessimistic. No. Because we serve a God who works and a God who is in control and God who honors people who obey his will. Uh, but, but there's a urgency. There, there's a, you know, uh, for example, people were talking about, we we're, were talking about, you know, how everything's got to, everything is going to be taught from a biblical worldview perspective. That every textbook is written from a worldview perspective and, and every teacher, every, every lesson, every coaching session, they put in their worldview, whether they know it or not. And we were discussing it, and finally I just said, I'm going to ask you a tough question. Would you hire your textbook authors to teach in your school? And I mean, it was like a rock fell. And and I said, because you do hire them when you adopt them. And I realized that there's some subjects where we don't have quality Christian textbooks done yet. But it made them aware that this is a worldview battle that j- just isn't out there on on the on the outside, the periphery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's in the heart of everything. Yeah. And and I even said, I said, I said, when you think of COVID, another thing we talked about. I said, how many hours of training did Christian school staffs go through? to prepare for COVID, to go virtual, when you did open up, what would be our, you know, guidelines, yeah, protocols and everything else compared to how many hours you spent on worldview development and biblical philosophy of education. Which is infinitely more important. Yes. And and again, it sort of woke them up. And I said, and and if you noticed, as I was closing it up, I said, we haven't talked about any best practices of instruction. We haven't talked about methodologies. We haven't talked about discipline. I, I said, because you know what? If you have the philosophy and the worldview wrong, but you have the methodologies good, you're going to do a good job of leading these kids astray. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so the summit really does focus on the foundation. Because they can go to all kinds of conferences and, you know, virtual workshops and things like this to find out what some of the best practices are and how, how to be a better instructor and things like this. But if you don't have that philosophy, we're doomed. Yeah. You know, I've got four criteria when we hire a teacher at Northwest Christian School. There's four things that we're looking for, and then there's four things that we're attempting to grow through professional development like we enjoyed with your with your summit. And, and they're simply this. One is instructional efficacy that they understand. They do understand some best practices. They understand the, the professional uh, nature of being a teacher. Number two, content mastery that they know. If they're a math teacher, it's good if they know math. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, a spiritual vibrancy. I like to see. I like to look at a teacher's application and and see the degree of involvement at church. 
You know, if, if they love being engaged with kids, if they love making a difference in the next generation, then that's not something they should do just when somebody pays them. It should be something that they do on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, and throughout the week. And, you, you and know, it, just let, let me just interject there. I've often said you can tell a lot about their spiritual vi- vibrancy by how old their testimony is. Mm. If you say, share, share how God's working. If it's, well, 10 years ago, he did this. Yeah. And that's it. You know. What did you do this morning? Yes, yes. Yeah. That, you know, when, when you're really engaged in, with Christ in his work, whether it's a church or what have you, guess what? Your, your testimony is going to be fresh. Yeah. You're going to see God working all the time. You know, Amen. so, so that, that's how I do it. I, I go and say, hey, share the last thing that God did in your life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the fourth thing we look for is biblical literacy. You know, we've reached this, this crisis point in, in culture where, where uh, unfortunately, people just don't understand God's word, what it says, what it directs them to do. But I found over time that if you, if you look to hire for those four things, biblical literacy, instructional efficacy, if you take a look at do they know their content knowledge and spiritual vibrancy, if you have those four things and then you work to grow those four things, there's this really wonderful thing that happens when they begin to spill over. And that's what happens in the classroom. There's this collision of those four elements, and it comes together in a glorious way. It produces a very special classroom. And, and your, your summit, I think, just grows Every one of our teachers, each year we do it. And as a matter of fact, this year, uh, I made sure that every new teacher we hired was in that summit. And they were. Yep. And, it, and, and, and they were what, engaged. They were engaged. Yeah. Well, it was funny. We had one, one teacher who shall remain nameless that at the end of the first day, I think it was the first, No, no, no. It was the second day. And, and it wrapped up at 5 o'clock. And, and, and she just... She couldn't even, I said, how was it? And she said, I have so much. And she'd been in a public school classroom her entire career. And she said, you could just see her eyes were spinning. And she was thinking about education, which she thought she she understood A to Z, front to back, in in whole new ways. And, And one of the things we stress at the summit is there are no shortcuts to developing a biblical worldview for yourself. Right. And to understand a biblical philosophy of education, and what it what it requires is, you've got to know the word. If you don't know God's word, I don't care how much you study worldview and the components of a biblical worldview, you still won't have one if you don't know God's word. And and so if if a biblical worldview is required for God to reign in education then you've got to be in God's word every day. I say I give the same speech to the the new teachers every year. I tell them, listen, um, and and this is something that the campus pastor and I say every time we go down to Mexico, inevitably, every time we travel on a missions trip, there is something that happens that was unforeseen. There was some in some way the enemy throws something at us to try to try to tackle us. And we've gotten to the point where we're excited when the challenges happen, because we always say the same thing. The enemy isn't just 
just going to give it to us. We can't be so bold or so arrogant as to think that we're going to march into the enemy's territory and try to claim back these kids and these students that he has worked so desperately hard to claim and to to exert his destructive influence, to think that we're going to go in to the king, the kingdom of darkness and just try to steal these kids out and not expect to fight. And I always tell the, the new teachers, listen, it's about to get hard. Yes. You have aligned yourself with the forces of light, the, the army of, of God, and you are going to march into the lives of young people this year, and you're going to make a difference with God's word. And do not think for a moment that the enemy isn't going to come unglued at that. He's going to be upset. He's going to come after you. Oh, boy. He's going to come after your family. Yeah. And, if, and, and the reason I tell this story is because what you just said, God's word. What is the solution? It's not this. God's word can't be something that I reference on Sunday. It can't be something that, hey, on, on, on the way to work today, I, I listened to Christian radio and I heard some great music. And, and in between the songs, I gave some positive scriptural encouragement. Now, you've got to find time on a daily basis to be in God's word. And if you're not doing that, you're ill-equipped for the battle that lies ahead. I, I've always believed that the last hill Satan will hold on to is the hill of education. Yeah. Because it's a future generation. Yeah. If he loses on the hill of education, he knows he's lost a generation. And so he's going to be there. He's going to be battling. And, you know, so it, it was... It's been exciting to see the transformation. In both summits that we did this summer, the one in North Carolina and this one here, we had pastors. A after the one in North Carolina, uh, the pastor, he, he was very engaged the whole time. And, and at the end, he actually came up to me. He says, uh, would you mind if I give you a little criticism? And I thought, oh, boy, you know, go ahead. Sure, I, I don't mind. And he said, you go too easy on us pastors. Wow. And I said, what do you mean? He says, listen, we're busy. This stuff isn't on our radar. He says, you got to hit us hard. He, he said, finally, someone came in and had the courage. And he, in, in the group, he even told all these people there, he said, you need to be ambassadors of this message to your pastors. Mm. He said, because they don't know. They, and it's not that they don't want to know. Now, there are some. They're resistant to it. But, but the majority of pastors, like he said, they are so busy just trying to meet the needs of their congregations, they don't even give thought to this. And, and he said he went through a revolution. Well, then we had this pastor here from Nevada, and, and he, he did the very same thing. He, he said, I'm sitting here saying, where do I even start? as a pastor. And then I, I gave them six essential truths uh, of a biblical worldview. And, and he, he told the group, he says, you know what? I'm trying to look at too big a picture. I just got to do something and start. He said, and then you handed out these six essential truths. He said, that's a sermon series. He said, I can just start there. Wow. And, and start planting that seed. And I said, that's it. Because what has happened, we've tried to get pastors to support our Christian schools rather than pastors to address the issue of education biblically. 
And, and pastors are in a tough spot because they got people in all kinds of schools who want them all to be supported. So he goes neutral and just say, hey, teach what the Bible says. Prepare your, tell your parents that they're responsible for the education of their children to be biblical, for them to think and be made a disciple. And they're accountable to God, not, not to a school, not to this church, but to God. And if we just did that, so the, these summits, they're, they're, they're like nothing I've ever done before. Uh, they, they are so focused on just one thing, that, that biblical philosophy and how that's got to be the foundation to the home and to the church and the school. And, and I'm just seeing an awakening for those who come. Now, it's tough to get people out, but, but we had several schools here, and every one of them said, oh, we needed more here. And, and so I, I'm just I'm asking God for wisdom what to do in the future. I actually had one school was represented in North Carolina. They, they came to me and said, would you come to our school? It's a fairly large school. Would you come and do a two-day summit for our entire staff and board? Love it. And I said, you know what? We could. Could we work in parents sometime? And, and so we're going to try and do that. So I, I'm willing to try anything. Well, your site, you've, you know, you've got the Kingdom Education website. And this last year, for example, every school board meeting started with your video series. Hmm. on kingdom education and and so every one of our board members and these we've got guys that have, that have been serving on this board for years and years and years but there were still things for every one of us to glean to glean from well and then i i just started last year these kingdom education minutes where it's 60 to 90 second little video clips that i've had so many comments from school leaders say oh we send one of those a week out to our parents mm. And, and, you know, we can't get a parent to read a book right now, but, but they'll listen. They'll watch a 60-second clip where I say, hey, you're accountable to God for, your, for the education of your kids. The most important thing your kid needs to know is increased knowledge of God. And we just, just you know, hey, drip, 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 and it has impact. Yeah. And, and so that's been an exciting resource for Christian schools that's part of our membership. And then— the other one that uh, I, I'm very encouraged about is, you know, so many of our athletic coaches are community coaches, so they don't sit in the training. Mm. And, and yet I'm convinced a coach probably has a greater influence on kids than any teacher does. Players listen to their coaches, and their coaches have to approach things from a biblical philosophy and worldview also. And so when we put together a 14-lesson course for coaches that they can take online, simple quizzes, and, and, and it's not just all Bible. It, it relates to what is winning? What is, what is a biblical view of winning <laughs> and losing? And, and, and uh, so, so to finally get something where an athletic director could tell coaches, hey, listen, we're asking you to take – 30 minutes a week and watch one of these lessons. It'll take you 14 weeks to complete the course. And you're going you're gonna to look at these players differently. And uh, so there's a lot going on. But, Jeff, I want to thank you for hosting these summits these last two, two years. Um, you know, it, it can be 
hot like it is outside here in Phoenix, <laughs> but inside the air is working. The air is and, working. And we, we stay engaged, and uh, it's been a blessing uh, just to be a friend with you, to to partner in Kingdom Currents podcast because you helped get this started, and then to host uh, the Kingdom Education Summit. It's been a blessing. Well, and we're looking forward to Kingdom Education Summit 2024. Okay. All right. And uh, I also want our audience to understand that you have a podcast yourself. Yep. Which is Kingdom Cultural Conversations. Kingdom Culture Conversations. If you if you have time to listen to just one podcast, I said it earlier. If you have time to listen to just one podcast today, it's not this one. It's Kingdom Currents. Listen to Kingdom Currents. But if you've got time, then Kingdom Culture Conversations might be a good listen to. So, uh, but it it's a, a joy to be here on campus, Alex. Thank you for putting everything together for us, and uh, I just look forward to see what God's going to do in the future as we follow His plan for educating future generations. Jessica Gake, Director of Curriculum and Instruction for Online Learning at Northwest Christian School. NCS has made Biblical Worldview online courses available to all high school students for transcript credit, regardless of whether they attend public, private, or homeschool. Frameworks has developed these courses using subject matter experts and curriculum from Summit Ministries, Young Life, Stand to Reason, and many others. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com. 